you have to find a show that actually regularly uses what your music sounds like. And that takes a bit more than just the research on TuneFind. You then need to go watch the show and listen, listen instead of just watching, listen to the background music, recognize what's score and what's not score, recognize the genres and Shazam it if you want. Use Shazam on your phone and listen to, you know, it'll tell you exactly who the artist is. And then you can go deeper and research the artist and listen to their album and study what they do and ask yourself that question, is my music similar to this? Does it fit into this world? And if it does, then you can present your music at that time. It's easy to get lost in today's music industry with constantly changing technology and where anyone with a computer can release their own music. But I'm gonna share with you why this is the best time to be an independent musician and it's only getting better. If you have high quality music, but you just don't know the best way to promote yourself so that you can reach the right people and generate a sustainable income with your music, we're gonna show you the best strategies that we're using right now to reach millions of new listeners every month without spending 10 hours a day on social media. We're creating a revolution in today's music industry, and this is your invitation to join me. I'm your host, Michael Walker. All right, so I'm excited to be here today with Jody Friedman. Jody is the founder of License Your Music, which is an online platform that teaches musicians how to license their music to film, TV, ads, and trailers. So I've been working in the music business for over 20 years now as a songwriter, producer, composer, publisher, and music supervisor, licensing over 10,000 songs from hundreds of artists, securing over $1.75 million in license fees and over $500,000 in royalties. So today I thought it'd be awesome to bring him on here live to talk you know, about how, as a musician, how can you leverage music licensing and how do you make the right connections and, and really just how do you have the most success with licensing your music? So Jody, thanks so much for taking the time to be here today. Happy to be here. Thanks for having me, Michael. Heck yeah. Jody, for anyone who this is their first time like hearing about you or connecting with you, could you uh, share a little bit about your story and how, how you got started uh, with LicenseYourMusic.com? Well, I grew up in a youth group, and that's where I cut my teeth performing. And uh, I started playing guitar when I was 14, self-taught on a classical guitar. And, you know, all my friends were picking up the guitar, and obviously we all wanted to get the ladies. So that's why we all picked it up. And there were a few of us that really stuck with it. And it, I took to it and I practiced every day for a year. And uh, I learned guitar and then I started singing. And then in my youth group, there were people called uh, song leaders that were elected. So I was an elected song leader to lead our youth group, thousands of kids in the Southeastern United States in these song sessions and services and whatnot. So that's where I cut my teeth performing. And then uh, I went to school for TV production. I could have gone to school for music, but I, it was important for me to have a job where I made money out of school because I didn't grow up with much. I didn't grow up with a lot of money. We were lower, lower to middle class growing up. And it was just important to me. It was important that I had a job where I was comfortable and made money. So <laughs> I didn't major in music because if you major in music, you're either, you know, playing in an orchestra or teaching and there wasn't a lot of money there, at least so I thought. And at the time there were no courses like in music supervision, like there are today or music licensing. That was not a thing. So I majored in TV production and out of school, I got a job at CNN. This was in Florida. I went to Florida State University, got a job at CNN out of school. And this is 2003 and CNN had they wanted to put on a talent show, the International Talent Search, and they modeled it after American Idol because American Idol season one had just ended. So they called it CNN Idol internally, but it was really externally called the CNN International Talent Search. So I wrote a song called The Prompter Song about my job. I was a teleprompter operator. I was an audio op. I worked scripts and stage manager, floor director. 
So I wrote a, a song about that and it won first prize at the CNN talent show. So the prize was getting to perform it at the Tabernacle in Georgia in front of all the company executives. And I mean, the whole company it was like the holiday party. It was probably this week. I mean, gosh, 21, 20, 20 years ago now, or close to that, what, 18, 19 years ago now. So the next day, the, the president of CNN called me into his office. My, my manager came and got me off the in between shows and said, hey, Jim Walton wants to see you. So I went and met with Jim and uh, he sat me down and told me how great it was and how much everyone really loved it. And they actually, Michael, they, this is, uh, this is something I don't usually tell. They had a photo of me with like a cowboy hat on because <laughs> some guy in the audience gave me his cowboy hat during the event and they, they hung it on the wall in the newsroom. And this is totally random and off topic, but uh, it's funny. So then uh, a year went by and, or two actually went by and I was emailing with Chuck Roberts. He's one of the anchors there. And he said he had trouble explaining to the Chinese diplomats what that picture meant. <laughs> so he was trying to explain, like, what, they're asking, why, what is this? Why is this kid on stage here in the newsroom? And I just thought that was really funny. So anyway, so the song got me the meeting with Jim Walton in, in his office. And then the song, he, he said, I see you applied for a job in New York. How would you like to go to New York? So that song got me to New York. Right. So I always frame it like that because I'm a songwriter first. I learned guitar. I started writing songs and there's such power in a great song. And that song got me into his office. It got me to New York. And while I was in New York working on all the various CNN shows like Anderson Cooper and Paul Zahn and Lou Dobbs and uh, Nancy Grace, the executive producer stopped me in the hall. I had my guitar on my back heading to a gig and I was doing the grind. I mean, I was going to you know, play in all the bars and coffee houses. I even went, you know, hurt my leg. I was on crutches going to play a coffee shop. I was determined because at the time, I thought that that was the only way to make it as a musician was to be a touring artist signed to a record label. So back to the executive producer, he stopped me in the hall. He said that we need a new song for the show, a new theme song for Nancy Grace. So I went home and I threw some loops together in GarageBand and I put together this theme song, which became the theme for Nancy Grace, not the theme, but a theme in the show. They have multiple themes throughout the show. It was called the All Points Bulletin theme. So again, the song got me, it moved my career forward, right? And music, just conversing about music with this executive producer, just you were talking about bands and music, where are you headed? I'm going to play a show. And that led to him giving me this opportunity. So um, on my breaks, I would go to Borders because it was in Time Warner Center in Columbus Circle. There was Borders Bookstore. So I went to Borders. I started reading books on publishing. And I learned that you can make money from music without having to perform live shows, without having to do this grind, this hustle that, you know, hanging up flyers, stapling them to the light posts, like <laughs> what we, we all have been through, you know, taking the, the stickers and putting them on each CD one at a time. and you know, mailing it out to fans and mailing out your demos. Like it is such a, a hustle. It is such a grind. And usually, usually, I mean, 99% of the time, there's no return for that grind. I'm very little to no return for that grind. So started learning about publishing and I fell in love with this idea that you could make money from songs because publishing is all about the song. So my wife and I actually left our jobs in New York. This was 2006 now. 
And my theme song had been airing for like, I don't know, maybe like a year at that point. I hadn't received any payment of any sort for it, but we decided we were done with New York. We had a dog, we wanted more space. So we headed out West. And uh, on the trip out West, I got my first royalty check for the theme song. And it was 15,000 for the publishing and 15,000 for the writers. So I got a $30,000 check from this theme song. I thought that every quarter I was gonna get another 30,000 and another 30,000 and another 30,000. I learned when the next quarter came that that wasn't the case for various reasons I won't go into here, but ASCAP, they educated me on why that that's not how it worked with CNN. So here I am out in LA, I had $30,000 in some savings, not a lot, but I knew that I was gonna do music full-time and that's what I wanted to do, music licensing for that matter. I decided that I wanna do more of this. I wanna play songs on TV shows or in films and I'm heading out to LA, so why not do that? And with the support of my wife, I wouldn't be able to do any of this without my wife, but with the support of her, I was able to start pitching and calling up supervisors and go up to LA and take meetings. It was a hustle too, it was a grind, it was sales. I mean, it, there's a lot of sales involved. And I learned quickly that I couldn't just pitch Jody, the songwriter, composer, or Jody Aaron, the artist. And I started signing other talent. I started finding other talent and asking them if they'd allow me to rep them, doing a license fee split with them. And after about two years of doing this, the, you know, the song and dance with taking music supervisors out to eat or out for a drink or out for coffee and um, sending them music ideas after two years, I got uh, first, my first good placement with Gary Calamar on True Blood season two. I'll always, always thank Gary for that because he really, he took, he was one of the first meetings I ever took back in 2007, 2007. Yeah. It's one of the first meetings I ever took where I went to his office and I met with him and Allison Bodoli. And I, I, you basically like DJed for him, like while they were saying what they're working on, you played songs from your iTunes and he, so he gave me my first decent placement and the way it works in the licensing business is when you start getting placements, other people take notice. And it was like, well, Gary's licensing from Jody. Maybe I should listen to what Jody has going on. And then it kind of snowballs from there, right? So it's been, it's been 13, no, well, that's 2008. So yeah, it's been 13 years since that first good placement. The CNN was a good placement without a doubt, but I guess my first, my first foray beyond, after CNN's placement into like the Hollywood licensing world and it's been uh, amazing. I've had a, a lot of a lot of luck, uh, a lot of success. I've been able to nurture my relationships, and I've got placements across, as you mentioned, across all sorts of media, like film, TV, ads, trailers, video games. And it's been fun. It's been a lot of fun. And it led me to license your music. Okay, your question was about license your music, right? So I started license your music a year ago, a little over a year ago. It's 2021 now, December 2021. And it was a COVID. It was like September of 2020 when Hollywood froze. And I'm looking at my business thinking, okay, well, I mean, I have business going on. My business wasn't going to go under. I'm thinking, what else can I do to diversify what I do a bit here? And I learned about this online course space actually from my wife. She works for a company called Kajabi. And she said, you know, this online course space is a good space and you'd be a great teacher. Why don't you think about doing that? And I said, that's a great idea because it took, took me back to when I was song leading. Part of being a song leader was teaching song classes at camps and whatnot and leadership academy. And it was a lot of teaching. So it, 
it made sense for me to do it. And people, artists were constantly, still constantly reach out saying, hey, how can you help me? When someone sends you a link to their music, they're asking for help, right? Whatever it is, can you place it? Can you help me get it out there some way? So I thought, how can I serve them? I can't immediately place every song that someone sends me. Nope, nobody can, no supervisor can do that. But there's other ways that I can help them and I can teach them what I've learned since doing this all the way back to 2006. So I started License Your Music to teach them, to teach artists how to license their music and how to earn a consistent income without having to spend all those years of networking and also without having to build a fan base or tour or do any of that. So that was the uh, impetus for launching License Your Music. Mm. Awesome. Thanks for sharing that. That definitely helps to kind of understand you know, what you've been doing over the past 20 years and what led you to creating license, license your music. And, and I think it's, I think it's awesome. I mean, like being in this space, like the music mentor space and, you know, investing in my own mentors and, and really just like observing the most successful people. It, it seems like one thing they all have in common is that they all search and find mentors. They find people who are already successful doing the thing that they want to do as models and they learn from them because they realize that that can really shortcut you know their their progress like it can save them years and years and sometimes tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of dollars so i think it's awesome whenever there's someone who's had success in their life who kind of takes that step and says i want to pay it forward and i want to help other people do that so yeah i think it's super cool what, what you're doing and i and i also think that just music licensing as an opportunity is such a great opportunity for almost everyone who's going to be listening to this right now as a musician even if it's even if like your goal is to build you know an original fan base and tour successfully and have you know an audience of people listening to music man like having some of your songs placed and having like a consistent income stream from that is going to really really benefit you so uh i know that is, is, you know, over the past 20 years, really, you've been doing this yourself, you built this successful career. And now you, you're a little bit newer in the space when it comes to like, you know, teaching, teaching other people. But, but I know that you have been, you know, connecting with a lot of, a lot of artists and kind of teaching them now this process that, that you've learned over the past couple of decades. What, what's some of the biggest, like, challenges or most common mistakes that you see artists making when it comes to licensing their music? I mean, there's, there's so much to it. It's, uh, trying to hone in on, on one, one big thing I think is the pitch, actually pitching. I think that it's very easy to get excited about, you know, the, the, the ego takes over and you kind of, not only do you see dollar signs, but you see this opportunity to be on like your favorite TV show and, or your favorite film or in this Apple commercial or whatever it is. And when ego is, is really present like that, I think that we all have blinders on and that ego can be blinding to the truth. And most of the time, the truth is you shouldn't be pitching to that project, right? You should really think about, first off, you should listen to what you're, what you're watching, what you're wanting to pitch to, and listen without the thought that, I wonder if my music fits this. Listen with the thought of what type of music are they using? What type of music are they fitting into this show? Why are they making the decisions that they make? And if after you do that exercise, then you feel like, you know what? My music really happens to sound like a lot of this, these songs without thinking, I need this placement. I have to get this placement. Cause that's, again, that's the blinders taking over. So it's, it's being, I'm always, I always mix up subjective and objective. I think I'm it's being objective 
about your music. Is that right? Am I getting that right? Yeah, being objective, like you need to be objective about your music. Yeah, it's it's exactly. It's hard to separate yourself from your music and look at it, you know, from a thirty thousand foot view and saying, is my is this piece of music? Forget it being yours. Is this piece of music right for this project? And being able to do that, it's a very tough thing. I I very rarely even pitch my own stuff for that reason. But if you can figure that out, then I think that you'll find your you'll have start getting more success with getting placements. Because if you're objective about it, you'll be able to say, I shouldn't pitch to this project. I shouldn't pitch to that project. But this one, I should pitch to. And that I think that would be that's a big mistake. I think that even as a song plugger, I still make sometimes, especially when you get the request in that's like, you know, $300,000 payday, you're like, Oh, my gosh, this is a huge opportunity. And you can get excited. And I always have to tell myself, like, take a minute, don't pitch right now, come back to it in an hour. And then, you know, with then pay close attention to the brief. And when you get a brief too, you know, there's a whole there's a whole process for interpreting and understanding briefs. And it's part of my training that I, I go into into in license your music in my I pitch like a pro program and my masterclass program is really that that process of interpreting and understanding a brief. If you can master that, then you'll also see more placements. There's just there's so much to it. The pitch is only one aspect, right? You also got to understand the business, you got to understand the fundamentals of the business. And if you if you don't do that, then people won't want to work with you because professionals like working with other professionals. It's really, it's really important. It's it's what even even if you do understand the business, and even if you do, what I mean to say is even if you do plan to have managers or sync agents or publishers or record labels working for you, you still need to take the time to learn the business because you just you have to you're gonna you're gonna get taken advantage of if you don't. And people just won't want to work with you when you're talking to them. You need to be able to converse with them in a way that's confident that says, okay, this person knows what they're talking about. I'll take them seriously. Even if it's you saying you should talk to my sync agent, at least you establish that rapport with the person you're talking with that they think, okay, you know the business, uh, you get it. I trust that you understand what you're doing and you're not gonna you know, sandbag me. <laughs> Cause that happens a lot when people don't understand the business, they'll you know, pitch stuff they don't have the rights to, or they don't, they don't know if they have the rights to it or not. And you know, our job as, gatekeepers, so to speak, for when I'm music supervising, because I do that as well, our job is protect our client. So if we sense anything's off, we're, we stay very clear from that individual. And when I say off, I mean, like they, they clearly don't know what they're doing by the way they presented themselves, the way they spoke about their music or the rights that they have. And we know the questions to ask and most supervisors, not all, but most supervisors have been doing this enough long enough where we're very quick to pick up on red flags and steer clear. So it can't stress enough how important it is to learn the business of music licensing, whether it's through my program or someone else's, it's incredibly important. All right, let's take a quick break from the podcast so I can tell you about a free special offer that we're doing right now exclusively for our podcast listeners. So if you get a ton of value from the show, but you want to take your music career to the next level, connect with a community of driven musicians and connect with the music mentors directly that we have on this podcast. Or if you just want to know the best way to market your music and grow an audience right now, then this is going to be perfect for you. So right now we're offering a free two week trial to our music mentor coaching program. 
And if you sign up in the show notes below, you're gonna get access to our entire Music Mentor content vault for free. The vault's organized into four different content pillars. The first being the music, then the artist, the fans, and last but not least, the business. When you sign up, you'll unlock our best in-depth masterclasses from a network of world-class musicians and industry experts on the most cutting-edge strategies right now for growing your music business. On top of that, you'll get access to our weekly live masterminds where our highest level modern musician coaches teach you exactly what they're doing to make an income and an impact with their music. Then once a month, we're gonna have our Music Mentor Spotlight series. And that's where we're gonna bring on some of the world's biggest and best artist coaches and successful musicians to teach you what's working right now. And one of the most amazing parts is that you can get your questions answered live by these top level music mentors. So a lot of the people that you hear right here on the podcast are there live interacting with you personally. So imagine being able to connect with them directly. On top of all that, you'll get access to our private music mentor community. And this is definitely one of my favorite parts of Music Mentor and, and maybe the most valuable is that you're gonna have this, this community where you can network with other artists and link up, collaborate, ask questions, get support, and discuss everything related to your music career. So if you're curious and you wanna take advantage of the free trial, then go click on the link in the show notes right now and you can sign up for free. Uh, from there, you can check out all of the amazing content, uh, connect with the community, and sign up for the live masterclasses that happen every week. This is a gift for listening to our podcast for the show. Um, so don't miss it out. Go sign up for free now and uh, let's get back to our interview. Awesome. That, that totally makes sense. So, so it sounds like what you're saying is that one of the biggest mistakes that people make is when it comes to the pitching process that because, you know, because they're, you know, when they are starting out, and inexperienced and don't really know how to communicate or, or pitch properly, then what happens is that you end up, in a lot of cases, just wasting a lot of time getting ignored because they're reaching out to a lot of people and submitting for opportunities that aren't really a good fit for their music. So you know, if they can instead sort of take an approach of not necessarily what's in it for me, but how can I you know, make sure that I'm really focusing on the person I'm pitching to and making sure that I'm a good fit and that I have something valuable for them, then that's gonna be something that allows them to communicate and to pitch a lot more effectively. But even so, you know, there's a lot of kind of nuances, a lot of kind of pieces of the communication that really if you're looking to start pitching to supervisors, then it would be very beneficial to find uh, some guidance and find out like to understand the business so that you can pitch in the right way. Yeah, you you almost need like a year of study before you start pitching. And I, I know that doesn't sound that's kind of unfortunate. But if you take that time to really understand what you're doing, and really like, and I've seen uh, people come through my program and other programs that are doing this and now they're having success. They take the time to learn and study and understand all the aspects of licensing and then they start pitching it and then they start placing. It does take, you know, the, the numbers usually two years. It's like any anything that you really dedicate yourself to any business. They say to give it two years. They say this on Shark Tank too, like give it two years. And if it's, you know, if you're still not making any money, then maybe it's more of a hobby, you know, and, and there's some truth to that. As long as you are investing yourself in that, your time into that business it doesn't have to invest money. You at least have to invest time. So if you're not willing to or wanting to like you know, purchase courses online, then you better be you know spending a lot of time reading books, studying, listening to podcasts, uh, doing all the research you can to make sure that you understand what you're doing. Because 100%, what you said, you have. You have one chance to make a, uh, a first impression. 
And if you pitch something that's way off, or if you send something to a show that uses hip hop and you send them country, that supervisor will never take you seriously again. They'll see your name pop in their inbox. You think they don't remember people, but they do. They get a lot of emails, but if you if they take the time to listen to what you send, if they take the time and they listen to it and, and it's way off base, then they're going to say, oh, I'm not, not going to listen to this person next the next time because they don't have time. It's it's, uh, you know, listening is unfortunately not a huge part of the job for supervisors. A, a big part is making sure their clients are happy, the producers, the directors, the editors and watching the project and making creative suggestions for them and budgeting. There's a lot more that goes into uh, being supervision where like meanwhile, while they're trying to keep their job and keep their clients happy, they're getting hit at by the artists and the labels and the publishers and the sync agents and the libraries. So uh, that's just a small, small part of what they do. Mm, that totally makes sense. Yeah. yeah and to, to your point, I think you know, it's, it's not necessarily the, the most like sexy thing to talk about because, you know, but, but it's, but it's the truth is that, you know, anything worthwhile is going to take hard work and it's going to yeah. take time. It's going to take investments and you can either invest your money or you can invest your time and it's like planting a seed like it's a tree doesn't just grow from nothing like it grows from you know planting a seed and from nurturing that seed and it, and it takes time and it takes you know persistence but you know that's that's, that's just the way it is but that being said I, I would love to to kind of zoom out a bit and i know you've you've created a really great program that basically just kind of walks through step by step how to kind of go on this this process of learning how to successfully license your music could you kind of yeah. just give us like the, the, if we were like looking at a bird's eye view, it may be like, I don't know, the top three to five steps or kind of phases that an artist needs to go through when it comes to like licensing their music successfully, which it might kind of be like an outline of your course. Sure. Um, what yeah. Those, the, what do those steps look like? Yeah. I mean, the first thing is mindset and being in the right, um, having mental clarity about what you want to do and how you're going to achieve that. So I actually take them through uh, a training called Elevate. And it's the way I've lived my life. And you can apply this Elevate philosophy to anything you do from writing a song to taking a pitch meeting. I mean, just signing up, committing to signing up for a course is part of that transformation that you go through. But then it's knowing how you can, you can learn this philosophy. And I have some students who like tape it up to the wall and they're applying it in everything they do and it works. So the first thing I do is take them through that training and then we talk about the fundamentals, music licensing fundamentals. We talk about representation and rate cards, the different types of representation that exist, all the various rate cards out there so you know what types of fees to expect. Then we go into who all the gatekeepers are, kind of what we just spoke about more in depth about what the day-to-day -day looks like for music supervisors, music coordinators, clearance houses. Then we talk about how to pitch your music. So I have a whole module dedicated to pitching. And there's so much that goes into it from getting your metadata right towards, again, mental clarity going into that pitch meeting. One thing is like knowing that you're not going to win them all and that's okay. The important thing is that you do it and you do it right. So that's, that's the, the who, talk about the what, talk about the, the why, and we talk about the how. And then I go behind the scenes. I actually take them behind the scenes with me on a film that I supervised in 2017 for focus features called Won't You Be My Neighbor? So I show them everything I just taught them in the end of the course, we, we go behind the scenes on that project. 
and I show them that implementation. So what it was like to clear a song for that project. And I take them step by step through it. So they see what happens on the other side of it. So, you know, like any business, when you're trying to sell, and that's what you're doing in licensing, you're selling, you're selling, it's sales. So I know people think that sales has like a, a lot of people think that has some dirty connotation, like you go right to the used car salesman, but it's not what it is. A lot of sales is just being yourself and, um, you know, explaining why what you have is of value to your client. So when you do that, you have to, like you pointed out earlier, you have to be of service to them. And the best way to do that is to understand them and how they think. So I take my students through that from the perspective of a music supervisor as well. It's actually a, a lot of the course is focused on it. It goes back and forth between the perspective of a publisher, which I am, I'm a, I'm a music publisher and a music supervisor because publisher exploits music and pitches and the supervisors receive music. So you got the publisher as the seller and the supervisors are the buyers. So in, in basic sales terms, that's, that's essentially what they are. So you want to understand the whole picture. Thanks for rocking through that. that that's awesome. And, and I love the, the way that you described the sales process and how important that is. And, and I think you're, you're totally right that like sales can have like a negative connotation when it comes to like, almost like we're trying to, I don't know, manipulate or convince someone to do something against what's in their best interest. But really like sales is this like universal thing that we're almost always doing. And it really has like a, like a very powerful, like it's almost a sacred type of role to be able to serve people. Like you, you can't really provide a full service without being able to focus on the sales process and the sales process at its finest is really about figuring out what is most valuable to the other person. And like you said, understanding them and figuring out how to position, how to offer it so that you can you provide value to that person. So I think it's awesome that you have that perspective as a music supervisor, as a publisher, to even know, be able to understand them, what is valuable to them? What are they looking for so that you can actually properly, you know, create something that is valuable for them. So one thing that I would love to look, dig a little bit deeper into is module one or the first thing that you talked about around like your elevate mindset. That's something that is so important. I feel like all my mentors, all the most successful people that I know recognize how important the right mindset is. And that's like the fundament, it's like the foundation of everything. So uh, maybe we could talk a little bit about that elevate kind of mindset principles and you know, what, what are some of your kind of core frameworks or understandings when it comes to mindset in order to be successful, both in music licensing, but also just, you know, in everyday yeah. life? Sure. Well, I mean, the first step is embracing who you are and, you know, we, we see all these distractions, you know, around us and really just settling into and embracing who you are. And uh, I mean, I elevate for me was, you know, going back to when I was in New York working at CNN and realizing that no matter what I did to try to get away from doing music for a job, it just kept coming back to me. So I finally was just able to embrace that. This is what I want to do. I had a good paying job that I quit. Remember before I got paid, I was making good money and I said, you know what? I'm not happy. I'm, I'm not supposed to be doing this. I'm a creator and I need to embrace that. So the first step was embracing, it's embracing who you are. And, you know, the other part, the second step, which is where that ego gets in the way is being open to learning from others. And it, 
in music specifically, you get a lot of feedback right on your music. It's very easy to take offense to feedback. But if everyone, if anyone's giving you feedback ever, it's because they want to help you. If they don't want to help you, they're not going to give you feedback. So being receptive to that, being receptive to learning will allow you to grow. And by doing that, you're empowered and you have this this new framework for life that you've you've embraced who you are and you're open to learning from others. I actually bounce back and forth between learn and listen because listening is a part of it, being willing to take it in, listen and learn from others and then being empowered so that now you can visualize your goals. And when you're able to visualize your goals, like literally say them out loud or write them down and it could be you know, multiple goals. It could be a 10-year goal, a five-year goal, a two-year goal, a one-year goal, a one-month goal, a one-week goal. But if you can visualize those goals and achieve them, then you will be transformed. And that's the last step of Elevate is to enjoy the process because we get so caught up in the process that we forget, I'm so guilty of this, forget to just like look around and enjoy what you've done and enjoy the progress you've made even if it's like from a year ago to today six months to today a week ago today if you wrote a song this week that's amazing like there's so many people in the world that would look at that and say i wish i could write a song this week so it's that transformation that you go through from start to finish from before the song existed to now the song exists and you have to enjoy the process because if you're not enjoying it then what's the point of it that's so that's so good yeah and and it's such a, a great point too is there's it, it kind of like that bottomless pit right where it's like no matter how successful you get no matter how much you do it's like it's it's not enough on like the material plane but if you can really appreciate and enjoy what you're doing at every step of the way then it just you know makes the journey a lot better a lot a lot more <laughs> en- enjoyable like, like you're saying so that's awesome and it's great that you kind of start start with that so that you know, it's, it makes, it makes the, the challenge, it makes the journey a little bit you know, easier to, to stay on, on that path. I think if you, if you have that in mind and mm-hmm. man, like that, that principle of being willing to learn and being willing to adapt and like, you know, taking things as feedback, but not necessarily making it personal, you know, not making it personal about you. It makes sense that that's something really kind of in that foundational stage early on where, you know, if you can, if you can you know, be objective, like you're talking about, and just see things as they are. It's not necessarily about you. It's just about, you know, it's about a learning process. Then, yeah, that is like the common characteristic of, of it, success. It's, it's hard with art because it is you. You yeah. pour yourself into your art. So when you get feedback on that art, you, you do take it personal because it is your, mm-hmm. your part of that art. So it's, it's hard to be able to separate yourself, but you have to learn that art, at least in the licensing business, it is a commodity. It is a commodity. It is it is to serve the project, to serve the production. So while it is art and people love art and great art is great art without a doubt, but in licensing, you may get feedback on something that maybe it works for you and your audience, but it doesn't mean it's going to work for sync licensing. That's a slang for licensing is sync, which came from synchronizing music to picture. You synchronize it together, music and film. So just because it works for radio doesn't mean it's going to work for sync. That's not always the case. They don't go hand in hand. So it's a, yeah, it's a process. Mm. One question I feel like I, I hear a lot and yeah, I'm not even like the music 
sync licensing guy, but, but I hear this question a lot is, and I think it's a good question because it, it correlates to not just sync licensing, but to like a lot of different, a lot of different things, which is all about the reach out process and the pitch, right? And, and how do you, how do you reach out and connect with um, the right people? So what are, what are some of the biggest, maybe you can kind of give me like worst case scenario and like best case scenario like what are some like the worst pitches like that you can imagine like the stereotypical like terrible pitch that you see commonly and then like the stereotypical like best pitch like the one that's just like they do it totally right sure yeah i mean i I, every day i get a message on linkedin or instagram or my socials with just like a link so yo check me out Mm. so if that's the worst pitch it's like no (laughs) (laughs) i'm busy no you you clearly don't you're not going to take the time put forth the effort to research what i'm working on to do your homework before you pitch to me then that means you're probably not taking the time and putting the effort into your music so why should i listen to your music it's going to waste your time it's going to waste my time so the worst kind of pitch is just like sending a link and and usually there's no like contact info no phone number, no email address. And there's been instances where someone has sent me something that I listen to, and then I want to contact them and there's no way to get in touch with them. So, and I'm, I'm talking about a phone number. There's some times where I don't have time to send you an email and wait for a response. I need to get you on the phone. And I think that's really important is to put your dang content info in there. I mean, there's no reason to keep it a secret from people in the industry that you're pitching to that you want to help you. So put that contact info in there when you pitch. The best type of pitch would be when someone does their homework, when they, if you reach out to a supervisor and say, hey, you know, I noticed this episode of Riverdale has this bar and in the bar, I noticed they're using these artists, you know, X, Y, and Z. And I think my music, excuse me, would fit perfectly into those artists because I've been told that I sound like these artists and here's a couple songs, a streaming link with an option to download and check them out. And thanks for your time. That's the perfect kind of pitch because it shows them that you're, you're attentive. You've listened to the show, you've studied it. You, you recognize an actual venue that they're using in the show, like a bar that, you know, in, in TV shows specifically, which is going to be the easy sensory point for anybody in licensing there are common scenes that are sets that they go back to someone's bedroom a tea uh, a bar you know a cabin whatever it might be they're going back to these scenes repeatedly and if you notice there's themes and sounds that they use in these scenes that support the characters because the music is there to support the picture it's not the other way around there's a saying that uh picture will not bend to music but music will bend a picture. You can edit the music and you can change the music, but the picture's locked. You're not gonna change the picture. So, you know, that's uh, the best kind of pitch is when you do your research and do your homework and you approach it that way. Mm. Awesome. That's that's definitely helpful. So it sounds like really like one of the key, most important leverage points is doing your homework up front and figuring out where where's my music the best fit for like what what types of shows what types of movies or placements like where does my music belong where would it provide the most value so if someone was uh, listening or watching this right now and they basically have that question they're like man where do i even like start where do i find like those places that that my music would belong where would be a good starting point to do that research 
Well, I'll, I'll give you some links, but I'll mention that I have a, a training on my site called How to Get Your Music Heard by Music Supervisors. It's my low ticket item and it, it's, it takes you through the process step by step. I also have pitch templates, email templates that you can use for pitching your music that you want to always make your own, but I give you the templates to get you started. So the sites that you do your research on would be um, IMDB, Internet Movie Database, imdb.com. And then there's a site called TuneFind that you can go on, TuneFind, and you can search any TV show or any artist, and it will spit out a list of what shows have used what songs, and you can actually listen right there. You know, these did not exist when I was getting started, so you definitely want to utilize these, but just to, because I'm a living, living proof, really what you need to do is watch the shows and listen and pay attention because even TuneFind it's not going to have everything. It's not going to have the context exactly of how the song was used. So if you watch, you look up a show on TuneFind and you you write country music and you say, oh, hey, they use this one country song in this episode five, but the rest of the show, they didn't use any country songs. It doesn't necessarily mean that your country, your music is going to fit the show. You have to find a show that actually regularly uses what your music sounds like. And that takes a bit more than just the research on TuneFind. You then need to go watch the show and listen, listen instead of just watching, listen to the background music, recognize what's score and what's not score, recognize the genres and Shazam it if you want. Use Shazam on your phone and listen to, you know, it'll tell you exactly who the artist is. And then you can go deeper and research the artist and listen to their album and study what they do and ask yourself that question, is my music similar to this? Does it fit into this world? And if it does, then you can present your music at that time. Hmm. Super smart. Yeah, that makes a ton of sense. And I think it's a good practice just like in general, you know, if, if you're a musician to have a big list, sort of like a database of similar artists or, you know, people that you'd like to go on tour with people who are around the same size of you, or maybe slightly bigger that, um, you can use for references, you follow them on social media, you see what, what kinds of things are they are they posting about? You see what kinds of songs they release, and you know you use these as, as inspiration for for you. And specifically, like you know, having that database, having that list, it sounds like you know you can use that to go research on TuneFind and find yeah. you know where are those artists, where are they placed, and you know that's a good initial step to you know find out where your music might be a good fit for, but. It's not the only thing you need to, you know, you'll need to kind of go deeper, do some more research, watch, watch the shows. Awesome. Yeah. There's so much music nowadays too. There's just so many artists getting licensed. There's so much room for people in music licensing because we're in this boom of, you know, streaming companies producing projects, Netflix, Hulu, Amazon, uh, IMDb has their own network now, Apple TV, Disney Plus, HBO Max. There's so much content being made and the, the industry is booming. There's just so much opportunity there for, for musicians in licensing. Mm, cool. Yeah. One, one question for you. How important do you think it is for an artist? I mean, I know there's different routes that you can go to getting your music license, whether it's like you're trying to do everything DIY and trying to kind of reach out and, you know, make these yeah. connections yourself or, you know, finding a publisher to be able to, to pitch your music for you. Yeah. What would your recommendation be for like most artists if they're 
kind of just getting started and they haven't really explored the music licensing world. But let's assume that like they have invested into recording some really high quality music. And yeah. and let's say that there is somewhere there's going to be a market for that music, but they don't have a publisher. They haven't built any relationship with the music supervisors. Do you think that it's smarter for them to kind of pursue building these relationships themselves or should they should be like looking for the right publisher yeah. or, yeah. I think they should look for either a publisher or a sync agent, also also called a licensing rep, <clears throat> or a music library. If you're going to do it yourself, if you're going to go it alone, then you can do it. But it, I think it takes a certain uh, personality, and uh, you have to have a lot of drive, and you have to have a lot of patience. But you know, it's it, it can be done. It's just it's going to take a lot longer to build that trust and what sync agents and publishers and labels they've already done they spent years building a reputation and trust so they've done the work for you so i i definitely recommend finding representation especially especially now it's become really saturated if this was you know six seven years ago i would be more inclined to say oh no you can just do it yourself you don't need a rep but it's just become so saturated. I think it's really important to find good representation for your music. And that way you can also just focus on your art and your craft and the music and you know let the reps or the libraries or the, the publishers do the work for you. Awesome, that, that definitely makes yeah. sense. And I'm guessing that your recommendation for like finding those people would probably be kind of along the same routes as what we talked about in terms of researching and finding out where does your music belong. So like kind of finding those artists and seeing, yeah. okay, they're getting placements, who are their, their agents, and then yeah. reaching out to the agents directly like that. Absolutely. Absolutely. You can use Google. There's so many resources out there to find sync licensing reps. Sometimes if you find a rep that has music like yours, it means that you're not filling a void for them. So that can, that can actually be a way to rule people out. It doesn't hurt to reach out. I mean, look, as of right now, the answer is no, right? So if you don't reach out, you don't know what's going to happen. And if anything, you're going to get a no, and you already knew the answer was no. So if you reach out, then you know you the the the, the best case scenario is you get a yes. And it's like anything, you don't know until you ask. So a lot of people have been asking for like a list of licensing reps and agents, and I'm working on that. It's it's hard for me to put that out there because I don't. You know, by putting that out there, I, I I just have to make it clear that I don't endorse all these people, or I put out a list of people that I do endorse. So I haven't haven't quite done that yet, but there's so many, and I'd hate to someone to you know get a recommendation from me and then say Jody, I had a terrible experience with this person. That's like, uh, sorry, you know, I'm not them. But you know, there's ways to find reps on your own if you if you're willing to put in the time and do the research and reverse engineer it like you just explained, then it's You'll, you'll be able to find somebody if the music is good enough music has to be has to be good mm. yeah that yeah. that totally makes sense and yeah and i think to your point too when it comes to like reaching out and you know it's, if you don't reach out it's a no already <laughs> you know it's like you know it's you, you don't really lose you don't lose as much from reaching out and getting a no as you do from not doing anything right yeah. that there there is sort of this like network effect right and when you reach out to someone even if it's not an immediate yes. You can kind of plant these seeds and you know, maybe at some point down the line, that seed kind of germinates. It starts to blossom, right? And sometimes they, maybe they don't like, they don't have space, but they know someone who they can connect you with, you know? So I think you're right that, you know, it's just, you know, it, it, it's, 
it takes courage, I think, to kind of put yourself out there and to reach out to people. But man, that's like such a huge part of the game is just building relationships, reaching out to people and, you know, doing it consistently. Awesome. Well, hey, man, this has been it's been a lot of fun. Thank you for coming on here and, and sharing your experience. So for anyone who is uh, listening or watching this right now who would like to kind of like dig deeper and learn more about, about you and, and your free trainings and your courses and just dig, dig a little deeper, where would be the best place for them to go to learn more? Uh, yeah, you can go to licenseyourmusic.com. And uh, we also have a free Facebook group. Facebook group is called License Your Music with Jody Friedman. And yeah, that's, I have a YouTube channel. I don't have a custom URL yet, but if you look up license your music, Jody, you'll find our YouTube channel. There's a lot of free content on there. Cool. Yeah. Thanks, man. We'll throw all the links in the description. So we get easy access to, to dig deeper, but yeah, man, this is, this is super valuable. And, and I, I really appreciate you, you know, it's, you didn't have to you know, take everything you learned and kind of like pay it forward and, and share it with other people. So I think that what you're doing is really needed and helpful for the music industry as a whole. So I appreciate you, you know, not just kind of bottling in and holding in your knowledge for yourself, but actually you know, sharing it with other people. Thanks, Michael. Thanks for having me. Hey, it's Michael here. I hope that you got a ton of value out of this episode. Make sure to check out the show notes to learn more about our guests today. And if you want to support the podcast, then there's a few ways to help us grow. First, if you hit subscribe, then that'll make sure you don't miss a new episode. Secondly, if you share it with your friends or on your social media, tag us. That, that really helps us out. And third, uh, best of all, if you leave us an honest review, it's going to help us reach more musicians like you who want to take their music careers to the next level. The time to be a modern musician is now, and I look forward to seeing you on our next episode.